Welcome to the Green Architects Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Breinick. I'm your host, Phil Kaplan. How are you doing today, Chris? Fantastic, Phil. It's beautiful outside, so it cheers me up. Um, Finally, balmy June and May, and it took us this long to get up to here. Exactly, and now now everyone's... You know, we had our windows rolled down. We're mainly so our windows. We rolled down windows when it's, uh, you know, 40. You know, so right. and now we're... Now the sun's up. Well, speaking of cold climates, yeah. someone who actually comes from a colder climate than us, we are... Very pleased today to have with us Martin Holiday. Hey, Martin. Hi, I just drove over from Vermont to <laughs> lovely Portland and got to see the Atlantic Ocean. Excellent. And you, how'd you find your drive? Good. My drive was fine. It was a little mixture. You know, I came through Crawford Notch, which is always a pleasure. I love Crawford Notch. And through uh, North Conway and Conway, which is less uh, encouraging, but made it through the stoplights and here I am. Fantastic. And for those of you who don't know, in fact, those of you who are listening to us from the Green Building Advisor, there's no way you can't know who Martin Holiday is. He, he, you find him, uh, he's the senior editor there, or can I say that? I think so that's what I'm called. I think that's what you're called. <laughs> and you're also often a uh, contributor. What's your um, official title as it, as it relates to fine home building? Or do you have one? I think I'm a contributing editor. Contributing editor, fantastic. And you've seen his awesome articles. We're, we're fans of you and happy to be now colleagues can we say that yeah and you know everyone's favorite blog musings musings of an energy nerd right if you go on gba the one that's oh, continually has got the most comments that has uh, a lot of contentious conversation and exciting and and just great current stuff um it's all because of martin and, and, right. and the conversations that he's he's led so we are very happy to have him with us today and and Chris and I are excited to, to grill him a little bit. Exactly, because because everyone everyone who finds us from the Green Building Advisor knows you. They don't know you. They know what you what you write, whatever. So now now we're gonna break break through that fourth wall. I don't know. I'm Third using, wall, fourth wall. I'm messing up my. I'm a journalist finding myself on the other side of the microphone. Fantastic. This is yeah. This is like uh, interviewing um, uh, Ted Koppel or something. Anyway, uh, but you you come at this from a comp- the exact opposite angle. Um, you know, we're, we're working, here we are, surrounded, we're, we're on the, uh, you know, the same podcast focused on green architecture. Phil and I, you know, I'll, I'll put words in your mouth, but you were probably a kid like me and decided, oh, I want to be an architect, and then you went to school, and then, you know, you got out there in the real world, and a lot of reality hit in, and, you know, so we kind of came at it from an academic point of view, and then got our real world experience, and you probably, am I right in thinking you... you came from the exact opposite you were like I was a builder you were a builder I was a builder and a remodeler and I just a, a hippie builder sweet just uh, God bless you know, hippies and uh, an old pickup truck and I used to have even more humble vehicles before I could afford a pickup truck did you and have a Volkswagen minibus I never had one of those no, okay. although my parents did okay <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Great. a horse and carriage it wasn't an Amish no. thing was it <laughs> but you know back in the days before nail guns yeah back in the 1970s yeah you know, nice. I was always off grid, so you know, even when I bought nice power tools, I couldn't use them at home. Wow. All right. So, and where right. where'd you grow before before you're in the industry? Where'd you grow up, though? You, I mean, I grew up in Beirut, Lebanon, where right. my father was a teacher. He taught theology at a Protestant seminary. American family, but we grew up overseas. Fantastic. Now, how do you think? How do you think? And and 
because I know also your bio has you know some uh, or you've you get around you you got around in your uh, uh, earlier career I've, and helping I've out. Had the fortune <laughs> to be able to travel internationally as well as work and volunteer overseas. Right. And, and give us a little rundown. Where have you been? Well, my family, because we grew up in Beirut, we did a lot of camping and hiking all over the Mediterranean, the Eastern Mediterranean. And my parents liked to uh, travel and camp in remote places. So, you know, one summer we, you know, took a ferry from Italy to Sicily and from Sicily to Tunisia. And then we drove across North Africa through Libya to Egypt and took the ferry back home to Beirut. And mm-hmm. we camped in Iraq in Bag- from Baghdad to Mosul one spring. And wow. we always uh, drove through Syria and Turkey. And we, you know, went to the Black Sea and mm-hmm. the Aegean. And uh, it was just a, a great time of year in the 1960s for independent travel because there, the, uh, there were no political problems that prevented us from crossing borders in those days. It was a wonderful childhood that way. And as an adult, I, um, I took a long, with my brother, <clears throat> a long trip to Asia nice. that we saved money for and did the kind of backpacking hippie overland to India thing. Oh, yeah. And wow. I ended up working as an English teacher in Korea when I ran out of money and needed to make some money to get home. Wow. Sold blood in Taiwan, and you know I got worked as a movie extra, extra in India. I got hired by right. a Bombay company. Yes, and in Hong Kong, I so, worked at a, at a, as a movie extra too. You so, didn't dance in any of those. So wait, listeners, no, 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 no. listeners, our Indian listeners, if you have any kind of footage of a young Martin Holly, what was well, the no, name of the movie? What the, was the name the of the movie? The big movie was Kranti, and it was Kranti was a big budget Indian movie, and I finally got the video years later awesome. and watched it, and I was on the cut room floor no but they filmed me in a british army officer's uniform a heavy wool uniform in the sweating indian oh, sun i had boy. to run across and i actually died on the battlefield but yeah. i never made the final cut oh that's sad, oh, that's sad. <laughs> but i was in Kranti. that's too bad i was really looking forward to seeing it did you did you have the same mustache back then or no i did all right <laughs> all right uh, so, so then, finally, what brought you back to the states? Like, how'd you? I mean, well, I've you always like a... lived in. Um, ever since I dropped out of college in 1974, I've lived in the same piece of the woods in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, in the middle of nowhere. So, um, I've I had a stable address mm-hmm. in spite of my travels. Nice. I went to college, and like a lot of back to the land hippies in the mid 70s, we mm-hmm. all decided that. You know, an academic degree was not as important as the real world, and we wanted to do things with our hands. And, you know, I read the whole Earth catalog cover to cover. It was inspired by Stuart Brand's view of a transformed world yeah. and went out to the woods to do it. And look at you now. And here you are. And, and it paid you off. Know, eventually, <laughs> you know, a phone line came up the hill and they invented the internet, and I was able to work from home. And connect myself more with the outside world, and I wasn't so isolated with four foot snowdrifts in the middle of nowhere. Right. But Speak- the world started to connect to you. You didn't move. No, I didn't move. It's kind of crawling slowly <laughs> around you. They're pretty soon they're going to be building a skyscraper over your uh, off the grid house. Hopefully so. that won't happen. <laughs> right. So you've been all over the place. How, how's this global perspective of how you were raised? How, how's it affected you in, in terms of the stuff that you're covering now? Well, I suppose the most important thing is I'm aware how those of us in North America are an unusual slice of the socioeconomic spectrum on the planet. And everyone talks about how 20% of the world's population consumes 80% of the world's resources. And 
That's certainly true, and that's us. Mm -hmm. We are the ones who are consuming everything. And so our energy usage and our material usage is way off the charts in terms of our fair share of the planet's resources. So I keep that in mind. So you, you probably feel that more than, say, my wife, you know, who you know, I, I'm picking on her because she never listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, she well, knows her yeah, cell I, number. I know, I know. She was gonna say, you should listen to this part right here. It's so. one thing to read it academically, but if you've traveled a lot in rural areas right. in Asia and you realize, I mean, many of the places that I visited in Asia were off the grid, have never seen electricity and never will. Uh, most of the world actually is off the grid. And most of Africa and much of Asia do not, did not have telephones until recently, until cell phones made that leap. But um, people don't have running water. People bring their water in a bucket from somewhere far away. And um, so when people talk about green in America, it's really hard to say that any of our choices are sustainable because they're not. To really have a revolution where we equitably distributed the world's resources would change our lifestyle fundamentally. So, so basically, we have to uh, change our ways uh, faster than they change theirs to be more like ours. Wait, help me make sense, Phil. I, you know, <laughs> I, I am not... A wand waver or a solution oh, finder. I mean, <laughs> if you were to ask me my predictions, my prediction yeah. is the climate is going to warm very quickly for my children's lifetime. The next yeah. generation is going to face a dramatic change in climate, and there's almost nothing we can do to stop it. I think if we had true political leadership, we could stop it or come very close to an adequate response, but none of the leaders are doing it. Yeah. And therefore, it's a pretty grim future. So, But I, I don't think that we're to blame in the sense that, you know, I'm still driving an eight-cylinder truck. I try to drive mm. as little as possible, and my next vehicle is not going to be an eight-cylinder truck. But I don't say that I have a green lifestyle because I don't. Mm. I don't pretend that I know the answer because I don't. And I know that I'm part of the problem. It's yeah. very complicated for those of us who are the high-consuming West, and I'm one of them. Yeah, I've seen I've seen like that bumper sticker. I don't know if you've seen it, where it's like, it's like "What would Jesus drive?" You usually see it on a on a Prius or something <laughs> like that. Which, but you know, he's a carpenter, right? Or he was. So he'd be in a truck, you know. <laughs> so no doubt, no doubt. You know, would he figure out a way to? Well, actually, you know, he could probably rig up something even fancier, but. You know, with his, given his connections, moving on, we don't need yeah, to get into well, religion. You know, Mark, it's just funny. It's a quick, quick comment. You know, you see, you don't have a green lifestyle, but I mean, you, you live off the grid. Yeah. And you consume very, very little resources. And if we all had the same not so green lifestyle as you, our, our planet would be in a different shape. I don't think so. I mean, the ma I've often said that people who are off the grid don't have the most efficient use of energy. I depend on a gas powered generator in the cloudy months of winter. Mm. Um, I burn quite a bit of firewood, um, certainly a lot of BTUs. Um, it's good that it's firewood as opposed to oil, but it's not like I have a low energy lifestyle. I consume a lot of energy. Um, I think that the lowest energy consumption is people who live without a car in a downtown somewhere where they can walk to do your errands or bicycle, mm -hmm. and you have a multifamily apartment with shared walls. So, you know, living in a remote area, I, my transportation um, budget is high. Mm -hmm. I still fly in an airplane every mm -hmm. now and then. Mm -hmm. 
So these are big problems, and I haven't come up with good ways to crank down my carbon budget to where it should be. So where do you think we all are in terms of, like, you know, here we are all on the path to sustainability, whether we like it or not, because, you know, Mother Nature, I mean, if we agree on that, Mother Nature's going to smack us on the bottom here in a couple decades and, you know, make us be more green. But, I mean, where, where do you think we are? Yeah, are we seeing an exponential change now? I mean, it feels like some, for some of us in the industry, it feels like, boy, things are finally getting going. Yeah. Is that an illusion? Uh, are we really losing steam? Or, or are people not getting excited about well, that? I think the best, I mean, I think we're really talking about global climate change. That's the fundamental challenge of our age and the fundamental thing that green construction should be trying to respond to. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the best writers on the issue are uh, Bill McKibben mm -hmm. and Elizabeth Colbert of The New Yorker. And... We are nowhere near coming up with a response that is in any way proportional to the challenge we face. So we're, we're falling flat on our face. We're, we're not doing it. And the greenest house that I've ever built and that you've ever designed is nowhere near an adequate response to what we're facing. And that's just a fact. Hmm. And as if you look at the country as a whole, what is our transportation budget? What are our transportation solutions? What is the average residential built new building going up consuming what are our building codes how about our commercial buildings and schools they're woefully badly designed and badly built and and it would take time to reverse right. or change but and 50 percent of our electricity still comes from coal right and uh, other countries you know doom and gloom doom and gloom right. but but the, the good the good news though is you know, guys like you and maybe me and Phil is like we're we're at least we're at least we're we're in the nose diving plane, but we're yanking up on the stick at least. You know, <laughs> we're trying to level this sucker off until we, we are we, so we'll survive the crash when it hits, <laughs> and we can build another plane and get back in the air as opposed to where we're going now. I mean, right? I mean, it's not going to be like Waterworld where we just you know turn into you know. Never mind. I'm going to tangent us off this podcast so phil save me yeah well okay so i'm, I'm gonna change gears a little bit um, all right martin we have some bad news for you since you've since you've driven down to visit us in maine your house has been destroyed in vermont i'm really sorry to tell you gasp we had nothing <laughs> to do with it as far as you know right but the good news is we've gotten a large insurance check for you huge and five hundred thousand dollars yes oh, that's, a, wow. that's a lot <laughs> I don't know if it's too much. You tell us. Right, right. So Someone's putting you on the it. spot, what are you going to do with that $500,000? What is Martin Holiday's next house going to look like? You have How would you build you have, it? You have carte blanche. Here you are where, where like a lot of people are. Where they're, well, yeah. You, I got a big fat check. You big I can spend it any way I want. You That's got right. It. But you what have no house. What is a new house? What That's does a right. new house look like? Exactly. Right? Now that you know, you know now, you're much wiser Martin Holiday than you were way back. I mean, I'm hoping. I mean, I, I, each year we're supposed to be wiser. Otherwise, this gray hair is, you know, what, what's the point? All for not. Right. So, what do well, you say? Well, I guess I would follow the advice I usually give, which is, uh, you know, you want to build as small as possible. Mm -hmm. You want to have a really good envelope. Yes. And a very low energy budget for your house. Yes. And then I take the $300,000 I didn't spend yeah. and I use that so that I can retire early or work a little less, right? Nice. We, we were going to get, we were guessing how much extra $100,000 yeah. yeah. was between two or three that you weren't going to use. And we said, let's give him five. Yeah. Make him say he's going to give it, give it back or yeah. give it to charity or, or no, retire. He, so. he retired. He, he didn't give it to charity. I didn't give it to charity. Oh, it was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> he was a little. 
So but, 200, so, I, I, yeah, but, I don't want to let you get off that easy, though. So. Exactly, because now, now it's like, yeah, but you're Mr. Technical whatever. You've got a comment for just about every, any, anything someone posts on that blog. You've got, you've got backup. You know, you know, you come off, you know what you want to do. So it's like, you know, you've probably percolated on, you know, would you, do you have a preconceived, here's my approach. Well, here's part two of the question. Would you hire an architect, or do you know enough? Are you? I know. I mean, it's a serious yeah. thought. Because I mean, wow. really, the, it's like for most people, uh, you know, a new house is a shopping exercise. You know, and probably for three percent of the public, you know, they'll actually decide. You know, well, I'm going to build and design my own house because I'm sick of living in either a big vinyl box or somebody else's old house or something like that. And then a certain percentage of those actually hire an architect. Otherwise, right. you know, a good chunk of those hire. Those. And then even the slimmer percent actually hire a landscape architect. Sorry, guys. Landscape architects. Well, I think you probably know that most American homes are not designed by architects. There's right. Architects are involved with a very small minority of residential projects. Um, if I were building a house, I would probably not use an architect, but I've mm -hmm. thought about houses a lot. I think that the average American with a $500,000 check on their kitchen table would probably hire an architect because they've got $500,000. And they probably don't know as much as you do. But, but, I, I, but you, you know what? You, every house has to be designed. Yes. And what you want is a good designer. And whether that designer is a builder who knows what they're doing or a design build firm or an architect, you can get a good one or a bad one. Yeah. And very the true. trouble with... We could talk about architecture schools and I could interview you. You... Both of you presumably graduated <laughs> from architecture school. Presumably. Did you guys get a good building science education in uh, an, your architecture school? No. I mean, you know, I think relative to other schools, it was good. But I think, I think architecture schools in general, I mean, but we're of the generation, you know, I graduated in 94. Phil, when did you? Yeah, I graduated in 91. 91. So, like, we were, like, my class was, like, the first class that was in that school that was really starting to get into uh, well, I f it felt that way, you know, like the green side of things. But we did have like a technical building, but it was more like how stuff goes together. And here's how right means, you know, means was, and methods. We we talked exactly. It wasn't some about mechanical systems and and whole building systems, but we had a couple of special classes with uh, a guest who much, came no. in about you know some. The, the danger is that someone can go and hand a big chunk of that five hundred thousand dollar check to an architect and end up choosing an architect who doesn't necessarily know how to design a wall or how i mean correct yes. me if i'm wrong no that, that's and true. the same is true of builders you yeah. can get a builder who builds a brand new brand new house and doesn't build a wall he may have a whole form. he may have a whole subdivision of right yeah, coming, you know, so an I, architect i say you get a good builder before you get a bad architect every, any day yeah, the circuit sure. the certificate on the wall doesn't really tell you much what you right. really want to do is interview who, whatever professionals you're working with and hope that they know they have some answers to your questions and you're an educated homeowner Right. But, but a guy like you, back to the original question, I mean, you're, you're probably going to go at, I mean, because I think what a lot of, when we were thinking of asking that question, we were thinking, you're going to say, I'd use a X, you know, heating system. I'd probably look at a Larson truss, double stud, whatever, or a SIPS or something like that. Or, are there things that are like right off? No, maybe. I guess, yeah, specific. Are there specific? Well, the specifics, whatever specifics I come up with are only specific to my climate. So that's exactly. number one. And exactly. That, so and I think, you know, there is a kind of a consensus among people building very super insulated, well-built houses in northern New England. Yeah. We're tending to see if people care about this stuff, that they're getting, you know, R20 basement walls, all 40, R40 above grade walls, R60 roofs, and triple glazed windows. 
And many of them are getting you know, um, an air source heat pump from Asia, one of the new mini splits for mm -hmm. heating. Mm -hmm. That's not the only way to build a house, but more and more people are going that direction. But that's your house. All right. No, my house no. is a hippie house put together with sawmill lumber and logs I cut down on my land and fieldstone I gathered in a wheelbarrow. But I mean, would you do that again? Would you just? No, I wouldn't. I mean, if I had that check, yes, yeah. and um, I hadn't been shamed into admitting that I forgot about the charity obligations no. of my <laughs> spiritual life, I'd have to rethink the answer. Yeah. <laughs> After I tithed and then double tithed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And if I were hiring out the work and could afford, I don't know. But yes, I would like to see a better envelope than I have on my 1980 hippie house. Okay. All right. Well, we're 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 wrapping up. You know, this part one, part two. We're going to talk about. Um, uh, you know, we call them. Phil and I started calling them sprout follies. The uh, the uh, newly green. Those who are new to getting involved in all this stuff. Sprouts. You coined that, Chris. I, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Chris Broadley. Sprouts. We call them. We call Sprout. we call them sprouts. You're a sprout those, those, yourself. I, exactly. Person. It's an optimistic <laughs> phrase. It's condescending because it's like you are greener than they are, but it's optimistic, <laughs> and that soon they will be green just like a, the rest of us. So, it's, so you know, sprouts. But before we do, Phil, you want you have any last questions? Well, because we have a we have I, a. Smoothie. I sort of want to know what's the next big thing in in green in the world of green construction, or what do you see? Coming around the corner, is it you know, people interested in the living building challenge? Or is it toxicity a thing? Is passive house really going to take off in this country? Or what, what else is there? Passive survivability? What, what are the next big words? I don't know. It's hard to predict. I think that the, I've said this several times, the basic super insulated approach was nailed down in the mid-1980s. Mm -hmm but it still hasn't been integrated into normal residential construction practice in America. So I keep telling people when we've learned all of the lessons of 1985 and implemented them, we can see if there's something new. So I think what we really need to do is educate builders and designers into basic air sealing techniques. I mean, getting the basics down, which we're still not doing. I don't see any whiz-bang technological inventions and I'm very bad at predicting, predicting trends. I think the only thing that will change people's attitudes is a doubling or tripling of energy costs, mm -hmm. which is quite possible, although I've said that for years and been wrong most of the time. But if and when energy prices take another huge leap, that will change residential construction in America very quickly. But um, that's about all I've got for predictions. Yeah. Okay. Final, final question. How much better is Maine than Vermont? <laughs> well, you've got the ocean. Yeah, that's right. Woo. That's about the, but you've also got more traffic and more tourists. Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. true. Yeah. That's true. So right. it's, is it worth it to look out over the ocean and have to wait for the traffic and the traffic light? You're damn right it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's, that's going to wrap it up for part one. Uh, you can reach us at uh, GA Lounge at greenbuildingadvisor.com. Uh, oh, hey, also check out our Facebook page. Uh, Sheila shamed uh, Phil and I in a conversation about showing us how lame our Facebook page was. And Phil was like, yeah, Phil's like, oh, we've got a Facebook page? <laughs> I did say that, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> and so now we promise to be better at that if you visit us there. But, uh, of course, Green Building Advisors is the best place to leave comments about of a technical nature. 
all that. So Okay, stay tuned for part two with Martin. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Martin. Thank you. All right, take care, everybody. That's it for this part of the episode. Be sure to tune in next week for more from the Green Architects Lounge podcast. A quick reminder that our theme music is Zelda's theme from Perez Prado and that the views and drinking habits of the hosts do not necessarily reflect those of the Green Building Advisor. Thanks for tuning in, everyone, and keep up the good work. Thank you.